You're listening to the Get Wisdom Podcast, where we explore the world of entrepreneurship and all things business. I'm your host, Rick Pino. Just in the last few years, I've done over eight figures in online sales, and I want to help you do the same. Let's jump right on in. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Get Wisdom Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Rick Pino, and today I have an extremely special guest with me. Nicholas Byerly is in the house. What's up, bro? What's up, man? We're Gotta so glad you're here. Nice oh, get the, get the flex on the camera there. Yeah. Guys, if you don't know who Nicholas is, Nicholas, uh, he is world-renowned, first-class, A1 salesman, can close the whole entire roof, uh, Close the whole entire roof, house down, bottom, roof top. down from top to bottom. Yeah. Um, sales trainer, obviously, have done a bunch of stuff in the marketing world, and we're excited to have you here and excited to learn from you today, bro. How yeah. are you? So, people are listening with a wallet. You might want to hide it in the other room, you know, just in case. <laughs> in case you close, I'm like them. I don't have one of those readers he act- that, that he wouldn't reads even it planning on pitching and just accidentally close. Yeah, close we'll them have to and- link up. I have three shows where I was on a show like this, and yeah. I actually made the host buy something from us on it because they'd be like guys go and buy his stuff and i go man you're really telling your people to buy it when you said you wanted it but you haven't done but it you yet. haven't bought it bro and i Come made on. them do it three of them i have that's them hilarious it. man yeah. oh my gosh i'm grateful to be here and and for me i was at, at a lot of struggles in my life back in the day there wasn't like a channel a podcast a youtube channel to learn it so i i just appreciate you for creating a space where people could have this shift like it took every shift happens in a moment i think this is your mentor uh one of them, but all shift happens in just one second, right? It's like, it it takes a long time sometimes to get to the one moment that everything changes. And that's what I'm hoping to create is these things that people leave and they're like, I know how to close, I feel comfortable, I'm gonna try something. And then it just works for the prospect because it can feel cool for us, but if it doesn't actually close, then it doesn't matter. And and it's, I think it's super cool too, to also just be open talking about sales because so many people have like really terrible sales experiences and that's why there's like a icky weird vibe around sales but the punchline is is bro the world goes round on sales the only reason why any of us have any money in our pocket right now is because somebody somewhere sold something for a profit yeah you you even look at proverbs 11 it talks about bless the man who sells it says if you have grain you withhold it from people that need it it's a curse and that's terrible yeah but if you actually sell it doesn't say give it it doesn't say hoard it it doesn't say any of those things actually says sell it sell it so for the context of people as a as a lens to look through when it comes to sales i think looking at it from that perspective of i have something that people need if i withhold it and they're in need then that's bad yet if i actually sell it to them and they're in need then that's good Good. And so most people, they were to find sales, they would say, it's getting people to do things that they would have never done if I didn't talk to them and close them. And so a closer good, would be like, that's it. The real definition of sales is getting people to do something they've always wanted to do, but they would never do if it wasn't for you. So how do you take someone who has an immense desire for something that's better than money? And if people's favorite thing in the world is money, that's already an issue. Because the money does nothing actually, yeah. unless it moves. Right? It's just If money had no value and couldn't buy anything, no one would keep it anymore. Right. That's so. I think looking at from that perspective, for people, new definition: getting people to do what they've always wanted to do, but they would never do if it wasn't for you. Walking them through clearing the soil. The farmer invests more time clearing soil than they do planting the seed. So, how do we clear the soil, and that way they can get what they actually want, which is far better than their money. Yeah, I I always tell my students like, the difference between a good sales experience and a bad sales experience is we don't remember the good sales experience. We, we only talk about it like it was our idea. Bro, I just got my new iPhone, this was so crazy. Yeah. Like, they sold you, bro. Like, yeah. and then I also tell my students, it's 
you know, how funny would it be if you were to walk around the grocery store with your cart and be like, these people are trying to scam me, man. I knew it. Like that's why does that not happen? Because a grocery store in this context is meeting a very obvious need with a very obvious solution. And no one feels like they're getting scammed when you meet a very obvious need with an obvious solution. I think where a lot of people miss it in sales, bro, is there they put external pressure on people to try to get the the buyer to do a favor for the salesperson when good sales is actually the salesperson providing a very obvious solution to a very obvious problem, building up internal pressure. And now it's not my idea for you to buy from me. It's your idea to buy from me. Yeah. Right? And you sit on that famous quote, which is, which is, if I say it, I could be wrong. But if you say it, it's gospel. 100%. Or if you dude. say it, you're always right. Depending. I said gospel because it's you. But, yeah, yeah, sure. But that that's a common theme is that if I tell you, man, I have the best product in the world. You totally need it, Rick. That need is a trigger word. It's like all of a sudden now I'm hitting you with, with demands instead of suggestions. But also on top of that, it's my idea. And if it's my idea, you're like, oh, I'm not sure. And there's think about how many people in America are individualistic. They're already going to have this kind of you don't tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. Yet this is why a lot of times we use stories, testimonials, questions so that the prospect tells you so that they're coming to the conclusion that I need something, not just you're telling me. And you talked about the sales experience. This is actually a good thing for people to learn is that they say that salespeople are the easiest people to sell. And the reason why is because a salesperson sells themselves. So if you are if you have things you know you need and you like <laughs> and you're really like, you know, taking a long time to make a decision, like you're just not a good salesperson because you should be overcoming your own objections. If your friends 100%. come to you, now if it's not something you want, then you should be up front with those people and be like, hey, I'm not even interested. I'm just not your prospect. Yep. But if you can remember those sales experiences, it's such a great equipping. So like I bought a bag once, I got invited to a men's luxury bag party. Most worst way to put it. <laughs> but the guy's name's Christopher King. Say, but it was very manly though. It was at Spago Beverly Hills. Nice, nice. Rodeo Drive, paid for dinner, and the lowest investment bag, I say investment because it's not a trigger word, cost is a trigger word, so yep. let's remove that. Yep. Uh, it was 11,000 bucks, and the highest one was 175K for a man's bag, like an actual bag. So I go there, and I have no value for it, zero. I was like, even if he gives it to me for free, I don't want to lug it home. Who cares? Yeah. But I feel I'm like eating the dinner though. And I got invited and everyone was so successful. Everyone there by the end of it, hearing him just talk about it. I was like, I can't leave without this back. hundred percent. And I, I remember buying it going just what he did there, bringing me through the sales process and me remembering this experience, the storytelling sold me that I want to put seeds where this guy's growing. I'm like, I want to put seeds in this because I want to remember this moment. Now, the next morning, I ended up getting like sued or something. It was like a name problem. Like I had billion dollar body. There's billion dollar brows or something. And hopefully I don't get in trouble for that. And it's like I woke up and I felt this kind of like scarcity going. Mm -hmm. um, My whole life's going to fall apart type thing. And I remember just going, did I really just buy an $11,000 bag last night? Like all going through my head. Oh, I should just cancel it. What's the point? And I remember in that moment just thinking like, this is what my prospect goes through. You know what, I'm not gonna do that. We ended up, he ended up taking me to dinner, hand delivering it to me, me building these connections, and I'm still here and I'm live in that $11,000 and that experience didn't ruin my life. But how often does that happen to us? So actually in a close that I did, I use this close forever and I've used it one to many, is I literally bring out the bag and I tell them about this process to buy it. I go, is that a good investment or bad investment? Was that dumb? Or I have people tell me, so it's their idea. And I go, but afterwards I felt like refunding. So if many Mm -hmm. of you guys leave here and you buy a very expensive product, you may wake up the next day and something 
hits you in the face like this. And so that when they feel those feelings, they now know, oh, this is exactly what a Nicholas said. But I use that moment to solidify the clothes yeah, and overcome the buyer's remorse that people go through. And a lot of times buyer's remorse is just like not a great onboarding system. Yet we can overcome that in the sales process as well. So remembering what you went through in a bad experience, but usually the bad experience is usually your judgment of yourself. Like they were really pushy. Like, I don't know, you probably feel like you're pushy, but I don't know if the, it, it a lot of times just reflects on ourselves, but the good experiences, like you said, writing them down so that you can, you can now add them to your sales process and relate to your customer. Because if you can't relate, if you haven't bought the product, like if you're selling a 50K program and you have never bought anything for 50K, it's just difficult. Can't I'm not gonna say you haven't done it, you can't do it, yet Makes when it you way can relate, harder, it's way, way easier. Like it's, it, and I'm sure you you tell see your students this as well, but like, one of the things that I tell my peeps who I'm training in sales is I'm not asking you to do something that I've never done myself. And whenever you buy something like a high ticket purchase, you are actually validating yourself to be able to sell high ticket to somebody else. If you purchased a high ticket thing from someone else, because now even ethically you aren't asking them to do something you've never done. But with the bag situation, I, I like your story because you went into this situation. Who cares about the bag? The, the nice dinner's free. But yep. somewhere in the process, dude must have built up the value so much yep. that the price became irrelevant because you obviously sold. Yep. Like he closed you. I was the first to buy. He closed you on it. Like, let's talk about that, bro, because you're a sales master. Like, obviously, our sales teams were always like, don't drop the price ever no. without dropping the value first. Talk to us about it, man. Yeah, what you talked about is so big in the process of building value. I just talked to someone on the way here. I, thought, I think you saw we had a close. The person was gonna yeah, do yeah, down yeah. and then monthly. I meant to send that to Amanda. She was a part of our text message yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah, one person reached out to us. It was a 130K product, but it, they thought it was 100K somehow, just randomly. So just think, I'm already backwards. They go, oh, when I thought it was that much. It was swingable but now I'm not able to do it anymore yeah. because of this whole thing. And really it came down to, hey, if I made it a $10,000 program, and this is a frame for people to use and, and a story they can use, yeah. if it was 10K and it didn't do anything for you, but you could afford it. Oh, it's 10K, I could totally do that. Did nothing, it sat on the shelf. That was a 10K expense. All it is is a write-off at the end of the year. If this was, and I would go way higher, I would do something like 500K, a million, 250K, because we already know that statistically, if I mention a higher price for anything before I actually drop my price, you're going to anchor. They're them. already yeah. they're already going to think that even if it's just a random number. If I just say a million anywhere in the sentence, now to do it well as a salesperson is to build the value of your product way higher, so you anchor that higher price. Hey, it's normally thirty-five k for this coaching. It's normally this for access to our team. It's normally this much total for this. value is two hundred fifty k. That's the that's the yeah. more ninja, the next step. And so I ended up saying, if it was five hundred k and it got you halfway to your goals, the price would also be irrelevant. So is it really a pricing 100%. problem or is it just a value problem? Now, me having to go over that objection showed me that in our sales process, there was a problem with that. So a good salesperson will good. go, oh, uh, let me uh, now convince you that it's valuable. A great salesperson will go, okay, there's a problem on the front end where we messed up the process for them that they didn't already look at it and go, oh my goodness, thank God, like the right, value right. is there. And so some of the ways that I go around right now people can dissect the product is you have your normal product. So let's say I sold health coaching. So it'd be like meal plans, workout plans, accountability, coaching calls, et cetera. That's your path to get them to their result that they want. 
So what I wanna do from there to increase value is obviously I wanna add things to the product that don't cost any money, but they have value or perceived value to the client. So there are things that could actually cost money. So we added like blood work, let's say. It was like, ooh, this yep. this is crazy. Like yep. who knows? Big so we, value add. Big value add because they don't really understand how valuable it is. You find other people that sell blood work for seven grand if it comes with a, sure. a meal plan. And then I really look at their internal and external objections. And those are the biggest things for me. So for, for weight loss, it'd be like, uh, I just have no willpower. I, I've just never been good at this or my, my genetics are bad, right? So I'd, I'd have to figure out a way to share with them a story in the stack or in the offer that had a story of someone who was way worse off than they were and they got results. Yep. And then in an external environment, I'm too much on the go. I eat out all the time. I can't pack any of my food. I don't have money to just buy all the food in the world and all these health things. So the same thing I'll have to do is show someone who's way more busy in a way harder situation. And my goal is to equip them with something in the program. So even going from health to sales, I know that with salespeople, they're like, I don't speak as well as you. I don't have these things that come out of my head to overcome objections. So I give them a sales script. Hey, a, yep. a sales script right away that you can implement that you just follow the questions. You just ask questions and allow them to answer. People go, oh, I could do that. I don't have to be this good talker. I could just ask questions. Overcomes internal objection, but adds value that, oh, I get this script right away. The next one is I don't have a big enough following to implement this. And so I yep. show them a case study of how we had 60 opt-ins that turned into 150K of sales through a free challenge to a backend offer. And, and so I show them that even if you just can find 61 people, do you have 61 people in your phone book? And then we give them do. the blueprint of exactly how we ran that play. And so that now has a perceived value that we can add to the product that increases. We talk about there's two ways to decrease price, decrease price or increase value where price seems lower. And I use this even in the sales conversation. I'll say something like, let's say there's a lot in Orange County that's for sale next to a $4 million house. The lot next door is 50K. Would you buy it? One million percent. And notice yes. I use 50K because it may be the price of your product. There yep. you go. Oh, yeah. Like, let's just say there's no foundational issues. Yep. Not going to crumble yep. away into the ocean. Uh, climate change isn't going to make Again, it it's anchoring. Go under. It's anchoring. Anchoring the yep. price, yep. but also saying to them, yeah, I'd buy it. I'd go, why? That's a lot of money. Isn't 50K yeah. a lot? So I'd push back. And they'd be like, well, I mean, it just depends. A little bit of cat and mouse in there. Yeah, too. I go, okay, yep. now let's say you have 50K at uh, the end of your life, or you go to Vegas and you put 50K on red and you lose it all. Is that a lot of money? Absolutely. I'm like, why is it a lot of money to lose on red, but it's not a lot of money to use for this house? Like, so it just matters this, the situation, yeah. right? And at the end of the day, what's the ROI? So I'm like, hey, today, really all I care about is that. It's like, we want to present an opportunity that gives you way more ROI than what, than what the investment is. And if we find that, is that cool? Would you be cool with that? And so I'm constantly looking Love for it. how can I anchor higher value where the price seems a lot lower because 50k and, is and a the lot. biggest thing too is like when you're when you're in the sales conversation if you don't give a frame to your prospect they'll come up with their own oh, and their own frame is always terrible right oh, yeah. because they're only going off of their scarcity mindset limiting beliefs poverty mindset whatever what they've seen before what they've seen like it's not possible so they're they're literally going to compare your incredible opportunity to yep their their you know crap kind of situation yep. or expectation and now they're like well it's not worth it hey real quick first of all i hope that you're getting tons of value out of this episode it would mean the world to me if you could leave a quick review subscribe to the podcast and even share it with your entrepreneurial friends who you think they would also get value from this podcast thank you so much and let's jump right back in 
My first application funnel, I remember my wife and I sitting in our home when we made our first sale for $9.97 a month for a health company. 997 bucks a month. We closed in, we went out to dinner, we were so happy. I was like, still carpet cleaning. And because I did not know this, I just went through the, here's what you get with the program, this is how much it is, you get meal plans, workout plans, accountability, coaching. And these were kind of like, okay, I don't really know what the value of those things are. We didn't do a great job. Well, he called back the next day freaking out because he goes, my card got charged for 997 bucks. And I was like, yeah, that's what we yeah. talked about, it's 997. He thought it was $9.97 a month. <laughs> no joke. I'm sitting there oh having to look gosh. at my wife go, wow, we thought we finally broke through and found our winning offer. Yeah. And we just phone closed someone that thinks they're paying $9.97 a month. So this is the difference of these two things that yeah. I say there's there's products and services and there's offers. I really think that offer definition, just like we define sales, is just certainty. Yep. If you can increase certainty, if I were to say, Rick, I have this program, it's 50K, and it's guaranteed to make you a million. And obviously that'd be a little bit sketchy for you to be like, eh. But if it was that certain, it'd be kind of like, uh, life insurance, right? They've never defaulted. Or if you get a bond with the U.S., you're like, there's a chance they could default on this, but they've never not paid They're it back. Probably not going to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is why the 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 returns so low. But there's so much certainty that I'm willing to put my money there. Yeah, so the 100%. more certainty you can drive, the higher investment you can go. So when I'm looking at the offer, I'm just thinking, how can I give them the most amount of certainty? Because I know that price will not be a problem as long as I have certainty built in, logically and emotionally, not just through my talk, but they look at it and go, I don't have any reason not to do this. And I'm constantly refining that yeah. for every new offer and every new way we sell. So bro, you're a ninja, you're a guru now at sales, but how did you get started? Like you're you're like on the top of the mountain now. Oh, yeah. like, you know, but how how did you get up there? Like, yeah. how did it start for you? I, right? I'm and, I, and for record, like, I'm still a student. This is the thing that I'm always like constantly going yeah. into. But like I said before, with the 997 part, when Amanda and I first got into business with my wife, we really failed for three years not being able to produce a positive revenue month. So I would cover my expenses for the business, the software, the travel, never make any money. So I even got to the point where my mentor at the time told me that if we were gonna be successful, it wasn't gonna be because of me. So I didn't have this great sales ability, but I believe everyone has a sales capacity. So my ability was so That's low. That's really bad advice, by the way. <laughs> Which one? If you're not gonna be successful, it's not because, oh, yeah. be it was, because of you. Oh yeah. It's like terrible. <laughs> and he was like the closest like father figure in oh, my life. Oh man, I'm sorry. And it's I terrible. just was like, yeah, you're probably right. And and now I look back and I go, God, like that's a cool story. Yeah. Because if I can then go out there and speak and sell, one on one sell, implement it for other people and help them sell. I've done tons of case studies. I took a IT project manager and had him sell two hundred K in a day through just following the script and we qualified the leads, yep, right? That process is very important as well. You can't just call the phone book and sell them a educational product. Sure. I mean, you could, that'd be pretty fun to experiment, but that's, you don't have to do that anymore. It's better you if follow, the leads are qualified. You follow Rick's program and, you, and you'll be good with that. And so for me, it was really around how does me and my wife provide for our family and get out of our situation? And so at first she was doing sales calls. I was doing the back end. shows how bad we were. I didn't have a capacity for tech but I had a capacity for communication and sales. How so we just started focusing. This? How, this, like, bro, this is not long. So 2013, we're in our own business after network marketing failed. Failed all the way through 2015. 2015, I probably sold about 67 grand. 2015. Total gross? Total gross of health products. 100K wow. total in all products. Yeah, yeah. And that was like a breakout yeah, 2015. Yeah, that was yeah, yeah. that was big, but I still didn't actually make any money. 
So I didn't really make any money. I just yep. operated the bare minimum business sure. expenses of doing things. And, and it was right around 2016 that I got just around good people. Like this is where I was able to just get feedback from others. I started investing in sales coaches, sales trainers, speaker trainings. Yeah, yeah. This is where I went all in. Cause I knew I've gone this far in this many years. And if I keep going this route, I'm just never gonna get where I wanna be. So before I thought I would hoard my money and I would just sit there and try to improve on my own and see how far I could get. Well, four years in, I'm still carpet cleaning and doing this Man. on the side. So I didn't learn that quickly. I thought even if I invest the money and let's say I fail, well, I already failed if I don't. That was like my biggest aha moment was like, it's big. I will fail because I'll never get to where I wanna be if I keep doing this. I went to that first, I went to a mastermind event. I had a sales mentor, a speaker trainer, had people show me what they were doing in their business. So I learned a little bit about lead gen, lead nurture. And then I had people believe in me. They go, bro, your product's so good. Like you should probably increase the price point to this, which is from 997 higher up. Yep. Probably increase the product price to this. Hey, this is the process we use to qualify our leads in sale. And then I really just think it's good. And I was like, okay, so I got some education. I got some some camaraderie. I got some people speak into me and I went home and we sold 27 grand. Come on, bro. In the next 30 days. I had never sold more than 3K collected in our time in business up to that point. So going through that just really kind of, all of a sudden, you just never know what sales gonna give you that big breakthrough. I said all breakthrough yep. happens in a moment. Yep. This is why if someone's new, sometimes I'll just like let them pitch and go through it. And if it's good, I'll be like, I'm all in, I'm buying it because you never know what that's gonna do to the salesperson the or the owner to, to go, I'm gonna go pitch this thing. Because far more often than not, yeah, we could go back through the sales process, but people just are not selling enough. Like I very rarely see people that are making enough offers, doing enough webinars, doing enough one-on-ones, pushing, doing enough calls to actions, pushing to a funnel. Very rarely do I see people doing that enough and they're just terrible at selling. Yep more often than not they're so in their head about it they have no good process so paralysis analysis that they they show me that they've talked to three people in a month and they never ever actually pulled up anything to pitch them the next thing after that that i see is if it's in a one-on-one setting is that they don't set the purpose of the call this is very common the next stage is that the prospect starts asking them questions whoever asks prospect questions, takes the frame of the call now they're in charge not you as soon as a prospect yeah. asks a question they're in charge End yep. of story. And if you answer it, it's the worst thing ever. Then they're, oh, you played basketball? What school did you go to? I listen to these calls all yep. the time. I'm like, no, just switch that back. You're the one who asks the questions. He who asks the questions dominates the conversation. And then in the pitch, if it's high ticket, I'm really big on visuals. I love having visuals, whether they have gone through things beforehand or they have something they can look at on the phone call or if you're on a Zoom call or in person, this is why if you pitch on stage, you have visuals because yep. it eliminates the objection of, hey, Rick, I love it, man. Actually, can you send me over those details, like yep. all of them? Right, and if you get that, I love. Let me think about it. Send me, send me something. I'll think about it. I'll yeah, talk yeah. to my spouse. It, and, it, yeah. Cool, man. And and if if we sent you something, what would you want to see? Exactly. And, and if we, and, and if it had that, then what would you do? Yep. And if they have another one, you're like, they're like, ah, oh, I'm not sure. They're like, great. Like, what would you like to see? Like, yep. what are you making sure is there? Like, I'm right here on the call. And, and so there's always a way to overcome it. But I believe again, that's like C and B player salesmanship. Is I have objection, I overcome it. If you're speaking and selling from stage, you it's overcoming prior to the objection or else you won't so, sell. So it sounds like big unlock for you and your wife was mentorship, coaching. 100%. Like same for me and my wife too. Like 
we did okay. We were like grinding the low ticket volume game for years. Did okay. We actually made millions doing that. But bro, it was such a grind. And we didn't have any coaches or mentors. We're just out there grinding the wheel, grinding the wheel. And then all of a sudden we invested into coaching, mentorships, yep. you know, whatever. And it unlocked for us. It's the only shortcut, bro. And that's probably the only burden shortcut. of it is that you'll always have a capacity doing it on your own. If I look at any sports person, there's like two golfers that don't have a coach. And everyone wants to act like those two golfers that are like one of a hundred plus people. And it's like, ah, like it's almost a burden when you can do millions and do it with just your own like ability, your current capability. It's kind of like basketball. Like if you practice a thousand shots, you'll get good. The problem is, is that you'll never become great because you have the bad habits of what you Yeah, you're practicing the wrong thing. So now you have to fully 100%. change everything. Whereas if you take a kid and you just have a coach with them, they show them exactly what to do. They show them the exact posture. The kid's not only gonna progress way further, the capacity and capabilities that they'll have will be far greater. So for me, like, I had to go through it for four years and just not make it. But I think if I did make it, I would have been the guy that was like, oh, look, I don't need, you don't need these coaches. Like I was very close to being that guy. I Even all my friends told me to refund my first coaching program I got. Wow. Because I hadn't gotten results in six months. But what they didn't know is I never actually showed up because I was so embarrassed that Ooh. I was wearing my carpet cleaning shirt that I was, wow. they're going to see it. Wow. So they had an event though. I went to the event and that was the end of the program. And that event was the, the 27,000 month. And so notice that even just like if you look at uh, Solomon and then his son, Solomon had wise counsel as the wisest man in the world. I think that's just like really crazy real quick. It's awesome, like, man. Is like his son though listened to his friends rather than the wise counsel when he took over as king. And so he ended up obliterating the kingdom because he was listening to friends. And I think that's one of the hardest things. I see guys invest in my programs in the past before I knew how to overcome it. They would go home and they would talk to all their friends and their friends are like, bro, I'll show you what to do or yep. I'll yep. tell you about yep. it. Or what if we just did calls once a week? Yep. And it's like, bro, believe me, if that would work, like all the successful people would just be doing free calls with everyone every single week. Speaking of which, so obviously uh, not to, not to, shift gears too much, but I love what you and your wife are up to right now. Yep. Bro, take a few minutes, talk to everybody, what you guys are up to, how you guys are serving in this season. It's absolutely incredible. I've I've had the honor of being able to be a small part of one of yeah. your events one time, and yep. I just loved all of it. So what are you guys up to right now? Yeah, so I, I have the sales consulting that you had talked about in partnerships, but my main thing is inside of King's Brotherhood, which is Christian businessmen's community. And we run it more like a mastermind style. We call it a brotherhood, but mastermind makes more sense to people. And for me, it was really like, I feel called to this. This is something that I feel, this is what I'm meant to do. This is what I'll die for. And when people create a men's community, I'm always like, I love it, man, but will you die for it? Because this Come isn't on, like, bro. this isn't for me, this isn't a great, the best potential, selling men to get around other men to change their life. I could just sell a business improvement thing and it would be more better lucrative. Like that, it, people would assume. That's why I say you have to care about it. Now mine is lucrative because I would die for it. But it took that to really invest myself. And you guys are hitting multiple spheres of them. You're like all the man. Yeah, yeah every, we four-dimensional businessman. So we, we, st we step it up with faith first being the most important. And why we created the community of like-minded faith individuals is because if your business takes you out of what you care about most, faith, for any Christian, they're going to be like, faith is the number one thing for me. Yet they're called to build the business. So if the business takes you out of faith and you have to learn from people that don't sharpen you in that area, mm -hmm. you'll always resent the business or the opposite. You'll go build your faith and it doesn't build the business. So you're always this ping pong of like, 
do I have to choose one or the other? So I wanted to integrate that and put faith and then health and then relationships and then business and all of those have a breakdown. And we really give them like a blueprint, like a GPS system of, hey, if you wanna grow in your faith, this is how we're gonna do it. Here's the GPS system, what you're gonna do daily, weekly, monthly. Here's the community that you're gonna be around. Here's how to grow inside of your marriage biblically. Here's how to grow with your kids biblically. And then here's how to build the business biblically. And I bring in people like yourself in order to do that. I do very little of the teaching. I teach the message. I'm just the prospect. I was yeah, I 60 pounds I was 60 pounds heavier. Yeah. I didn't have a girlfriend all throughout high school. I had no faith growing up. I encountered with God when I'm 18. Wow. Uh, I even after I lost weight, I got married. I couldn't produce the profit for 3 years. So I'm sitting there in all the dimensions as a complete failure thinking this God you've called me to serve these men, but why would they ever follow me if I failed in this and it was only through fighting tooth and nail through mentorship and help? that I got out of it. And now, now I'm married for 11 years. I have a three and a half year old son, hopefully another one on the way here soon. Come on, bro. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm fit and inside of the business world. Now I have this respect and I'm able to teach and train and be on shows like this. And I'm like, Oh wow. Uh, now I can actually relate. And so for everyone else, I think though my movement, I think is the best. I like, I want to make, I want to make this crush the men's business communities and be better in business for men than anything else at the same time of putting Jesus first. Yet I think the inspiration and where I drew even the sales stuff we're talking about is that through the calling, I had to figure out how to sell that vision. And if so, if someone has a vision like the stuff that you guys teach around, oh, I've monetized this, or I've had this breakthrough in my life. Chances are, if I can sell men to change, which is like, the, like it's so much easier to be like I'm gonna get you get you an assistant to hire. Let me let me tell you how to get an assistant, how to train the assistant. We'll source the assistant we'll instead put them, of actually. Let, let me get a salesperson. Hey Rick, change. how would you like for me to train all your salespeople? Yeah. It yeah. doesn't have anything to do with you. You could be like, I'll flip a buck, and now I know that they're gonna have to go change, and right, they're gonna right, have to right. go get better. So to have the owners get in, I truly believe that that was a testament to this was my passion. This is what I'd die for what's your thing or what's in front of you right now, start out for health for me. I would not die for a health company, but that is all I had done. I'm like, I've had breakthrough in this area. I'm gonna put together a plan for people just like me and I'm gonna sell to those exact people and that was it. Yeah, and good. so anyone can physically do that, especially if it's high ticket. I'm not I'm not in the low ticket game. So yeah, yeah, same. Don't talk to me about I, that. <laughs> neither, neither. Don't talk to me either about that. Uh, bro, how can people get connected with you and touch with you, all that stuff? How can they just connect with your world and all the amazing stuff you guys are doing? Yeah, on, on both sides with King's Brotherhood, Nicholas Barely on Instagram is great for both. And on Facebook, we have a private group for men that are Christians in business, and it's called The King's Brotherhood. So if they just say they come from the show, then they'll get auto-approved. Cool. Yeah, in the, on Instagram, if people are running into objections, I'd love to hear it. Like for me... I just love hearing where people are, are getting their objections. This is how I also sharpen my sword. So if people DM me on Instagram and be like, hey, you know, this is what I'm getting, or you send me a clip of the call or something, I'd love to just be like, yo, build this in before or or use this to overcome it right now. We just had a new one pop up, wife objection. We haven't had that in forever. And we're like, man, we've gotten so lazy on the wife objection. We need to do one of two things. We need to A, get the wife on the call. Yep. Or B do just the set call first and we'll say, hey, we really don't feel comfortable, Rick, you on this call. I know you'd probably invest with us, but we actually don't feel comfortable without Bring your wife having with full buy-in. Yeah. So why don't we book a call either later today or tomorrow and we get ahead of it but so that we're the ones that are like, man, I was gonna say that. So I'm always consistently looking at, and that's different with every product, every sales process. If you sell the same product differently, 
you get different objections. Yep. And so happy to just get people connected. I also have a, I have a sales script that I could send them as well. That's like what we have inside of our course of training. It just simply goes through the one-on-one script. Come on. And so happy to send that to him as well. If they DM That'd be me incredible. Instagram. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Nicholas Byerly in the house. Let's go, bro. Boom. Thank you so much for being with us today. Guys, go connect with Nicholas all over the internet. If you are a Christian man wanting to pursue all these things that he just mentioned, go connect with him, man. He's one of the best on the planet for this, and I highly recommend him. Guys, thanks for joining us for this Get Wisdom podcast. We'll see everybody next time. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It would mean the world to me if you took 10 seconds and went over and left a quick rating and subscribe to the podcast. Go ahead and follow me on all those socials at Rick Pino, and we'll see you guys next time.